Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Uh, wow. Sybil, we got a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> yes, we do, Stephen Hill. <laughs> a lot to talk about, and it's all going to be interwoven and interconnected. So this is... This may be the first week I'm like, just let's just get the open over with. Like usually I'm I'm excited about it usually, but like we just, we got stuff to talk about. So can we just get through this? Can I just? I, can we I can't this? tell you how many times I've said that to a man. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Our guest uh, Glenn Lewis is already on. Our, our 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 guest our guest the honorable Jen, Glenn Lewis is already on and 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 a part of the laughter already. It's great to have an audience. <laughs> you have an audience. It's kind of awesome. All right. Here we I go. Know. All right. On the drum set. Two. Three. Heavy is all of our heads that benefited from Notorious RBG's wearing of her crown, Mm. a valued principled crown that shall never be worn again. That's an aha. Former New York mayor Michael Bloomberg is paying off court costs of thousands of felons in Florida so that they may vote in the upcoming election. Prospective felons, be warned, this should not be looked at as a layaway plan for people. <laughs> That's a ha 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 Oh my gosh, that's great. That was once again brilliance being <laughs> spit upon the Cause people. Because you, you know they're out there. You know they're out there like, yo, if I commit a crime now, I get my court cost paid. Yo, that's like putting it on lay. Play, yo, play it. What? <laughs> what? Yes. So that doesn't happen in Florida. If you're in Florida, don't let that don't 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 get caught up in them. Get caught up. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. The law does not work for us, as we have come to find out over and over and over again. Uh, So don't don't let that be uh, your guide there in terms of what uh, the Honorable Michael Bloomberg has done. How are you, Stephen Hill? As you mentioned, RBG, the great loss there. It is. It look. It's it's an amazing loss all the way around in terms of someone who truly fought for everyone to be equal, right? And sometimes it bothers me when people talk about fighting for equality for for a a certain uh, uh, sector because the Mm -hmm. idea is equality is for all. Like you're not trying to be equal. You're trying to be. You're trying to be the same. You're just trying to get. You're just trying to equality for all. Right. And she. This is someone who 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 fought for that and for the entirety of her. Of her legal career, and then was uh, was fantastic on the bench, and just look. Many people smarter than I are going to say better words about about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I I thoroughly appreciate that woman as a black man, as someone who saw who who tried to find justice in her entire life for those for whom it was denied. You know, that is that's a great statement and a and a great um, hurrah for her, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not only in the court system, but knew about the importance of equality growing up. And I think that's one of the most remarkable things about her life is that she lost her mother the day before she graduated from high school. And her mother was the one that instilled in her those 17 years of the value of an education and especially for women. Her mom grew up in a time in which the family decided as smart as her mother was, as gifted as she was academically, that they would 
put the mother to work, the sister, and her brother would go to college. And so having experienced that within her own family, when she had her own children, she instilled in them, and, and, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's sister died, I believe, when she was quite young, um, but she did continue to instill in her daughter Ruth that the importance of an education and that women were just as capable, just as smart and, and equipped with all of the things they needed to succeed academically. Mm -hmm. I think that's, and, and the fact was, her mother died of cancer. So it was obviously a period of time where, you know, she was still doing the work before this young woman went off to college. And mm -hmm. so uh, she just, her story is so remarkable in so many ways. Like, even when you think about the fact that uh, how, how, what a role cancer played in her life and how she fought valiantly time after time after time uh, with her own cancer fight, but also in her husband's situation. Her husband uh, was uh, dealt the cancer blow when they were in law school. He got mm -hmm. testicular cancer. And so in order to keep him uh, in the game academically, she went to her classes and she went to his classes to take notes for both of them Amazing. so that he would not fall behind. Amazing. That's it's really crazy. And, Amazing. And, and when she went to work, you know, and, and people were uh, interviewing her, men, of course, interviewing her for these legal jobs and saying, aren't, don't you feel some kind of way? They didn't say some kind of way. But don't you <laughs> feel bad about interviewing for a job that, that a man could have? And she still kept fighting and, and kept mm -hmm. fighting and making a stand and making her way onto law firms and then onto uh, into courtrooms and and then onto the Supreme Court. And um, I, I think that's a, a lesson for all of us. You know, she's called the Thurgood Marshall of, of equal rights uh, for women's rights. And, and she said, don't get it twisted. And she didn't say don't get it twisted. Um, but she said, <laughs> Although you know, I can picture it. Yeah, right. Uh, with the with the uh, crown cocked ace deuce on her head, um, for her to say that um, when he went into a situation, we did not know he did not know if he would come out alive that night. Um, that was never the case for me. I never had a fear of of my life being taken from me for the work that I was being do that I was doing, and so. Um, I, I, and she just and she got it. She got it from a legal perspective and she got the pulp, uh, the pop culture uh, whole aspect of it and um, and just went with it. And we will never see the likes of her again. Whoever takes that seat will never take her place. No one will ever wear that crown again. I'm no, with you. as you said, as you said. Um, and so let awesome. us. Let us talk to our uh, our. I guess he's he is our legal counsel from he Ha Ha to He is now uh, a return visit from Judge Glenn Lewis. Hello, Your Honor. Good evening. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you have any thoughts about Justice Bader Ginsburg? Well, obviously, from a legal standpoint, she. She opened so many doors. She was one of the early women. I think there were less than five women in at Harvard Law School when mm -hmm. she attended. She was one of the first women to be allowed at Harvard Law School. 
And um, then she transferred because her husband, Martin Ginsburg, who was a great lawyer himself, one of the great tax lawyers in in the country. Right. uh, He graduated before her and joined a Wall Street law firm. And she moved to New York, already a mother by that time. Mm -hmm. She moved to New York with him and she finished up her legal education at Columbia in New York, having having began it at Harvard where she was a a top student. I mean, she had such a work ethic and such a belief. And when you say that she was a champion for women's rights, that was certainly her focus. She headed that effort uh, that she created that whole division in the American Civil Liberties Union Mm -hmm. that focused on women's rights. But, you know, uh, when my daughter was at Spelman College, they had a saying at Spelman College Uh, that said, when I enter, the whole world enters with me. And so Mm -hmm. even though her focus was on women's rights, Mm -hmm. when she entered, she also opened the door wide enough for everyone. Right. Not just women, even though women's rights was her primary focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And she was, in fact, in a legal standpoint, um, she may not have had uh, her life in danger, but from the standpoint of litigating cases all the way to the United States Supreme Court, she was to women's rights what Thurgood Marshall was to the rights of black people in this country. Mm-hmm. Yes. She, Just, she was, in fact, that. She was amazing. She was, and, and the fight that she had uh, physically as as well as uh, against the, the sexes. And, and as you said, I I have yet to meet a man that could convince me to leave Harvard Law School. <laughs> I'm not wrong with Cornell or you know anything like that but I'm just saying uh Columbia wherever but I I I don't know if any there's anybody who can convince me come on baby you know and and, you know she had a debate with people from Harvard because you know Harvard is always considered to be the bastion of of all this legal expertise and intellectual at Harvard and she had a debate with them because her husband was only one year ahead of her. Mm -hmm. And when he moved to New York to take a job with the Wall Street firm, she went to the then dean of the Harvard Law School and said, listen, (laughs) I I need to go with my husband to New York. Uh, Will y'all allow me to just take my last year of required courses at Columbia and still get my degree from Harvard? Mm -hmm. After all, I've done the bulk of my work at Harvard. And they said no, and and they wouldn't allow her to do that. And she she really didn't have a lot of choice. Uh, her husband was moving to New York to work. She had a child, a mm-hmm. young child, mm-hmm. and she was trying to finish law school. And one of the most poignant scenes in the movie about her on the basis of sex mm-hmm. was when she went into the Justice Department And the very dean from Harvard Law School that denied her uh, was now uh, uh, the assistant U.S. attorney or the U.S. attorney general, I forget his title. And she kind of had them over the barrel Mm -hmm. and complimenting her on her legal skills and telling her that, you know, 
said something to the effect of, well, we trained you well at Harvard. And she came back with, you know, I learned this in Columbia. (laughs) 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 And, you know, not to take anything away from her husband, because she was not doing well in the whole pitching herself to become a, a, a Supreme Court nominee. And it was her husband that yeah. did the work, that that did all of the public relations work, if you will, yeah. in order to get her to that point where Bill Clinton nominated her uh, and making her and the he second woman. To getting her to the United States Supreme Court and yeah. spent the last years mm-hmm. of his life crusading for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's a great love story. It's a great it life story and life lesson for all of subject us. Of, subject of what, two documentaries and one narrative film. Mm-hmm. While she was still alive, yeah. But I love that line though. When he said, "Do what he he was trying okay. to compliment himself." Okay. Like, we trained mm-hmm. you well at Harvard. She's like, "No, I learned yeah. this at Columbia." Mm-hmm. <laughs> smack, 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 smack. <laughs> that sounds like something a Howard Law graduate would say. Um, but you know, I get it. I get it. So and and uh, and the fact she could cross the aisle. Look, she you know it was an it was mm-hmm. an Anton Scalia. She was she yeah, was she she became friends great friends with, with mm-hmm. great friends with. You can you can disagree at work. Something we've lost track of in these modern times in the in the ten in the twenties. Um, uh, that you can be friends with someone that you don't necessarily agree with because there's other things besides politics. And so yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and besides that, the law is not supposed to be politics, and lawyers are trained to do that. If you think about it, lawyers come into courtrooms and debate with one another all the time. That's what they do, mm-hmm. but they never. Uh, they're, you're, you're never supposed to allow that to become personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 you know, I, I, and I don't want to start a, a series of war stories, but I was trying to murder case one time. It's <laughs> one time I was trying a murder case. <laughs> yeah, and the prosecutor was a good friend of mine. Mm. And he and I were trying the case against each other, and my client would notice that during the breaks and recesses that he and I would talk to one another uh, like we were friends, you know. And so my client says to me, he says, you know, you seem like you're a good lawyer, but <laughs> I don't know about you, man. And I said, what, what is your problem? He said, well, because you'd be laughing and joking with that prosecutor too much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had explained to him, I said, well, you know, first of all, he and I were friends long before either of us ever even heard of you. Mm. And we're going to be friends. We're going to be friends when this trial is over. After I and get I you said, off. Kinda, yeah. And I said, it's kind of like, playing a ball game on the basketball court if your friend is on the other team or even your brother on the other team does that mean you're not friends because you're playing against each other and does that mean because that does that mean because he's your friend or your brother that you're not going to try to win sometimes you try even harder Mm -hmm. when you're competing against somebody who's close Mm -hmm. to you and and so it's kind of like that. And then he kind of understood. And after he lightened up a little bit, I said, besides that, I don't have no reason to be mad at him. He ain't trying to send me to prison. He's trying to send you. Speaking of sending to prison, hey, 
in, in, in the great world, in a great world, if what what should happen in November is we vote the dude who's in there out now, he gets indicted and he goes to prison. I don't care whether the prosecutor and the defense attorney like buddy up and they, I don't care if they're sleeping together, just send that dude to prison. Um, and the only way that's going to happen, only way that's going to happen is if we get out there and vote. The only way that's going to happen is if we get out there and vote. The only way that's going to happen is if we get out there and vote. Well, say it only, again. Only, say it again. The the only way you can sustain a democracy, the premise of any democracy, is that is that the citizens rule. It they the citizens are not ruled; they rule. The, they are governed, but they're not ruled. The citizens rule, and the only way that works is that the citizens have to participate. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't yep. sustain a democracy if the citizens refuse to participate. And by participate, I believe what he means is vote. Participate doesn't mean like <laughs> arguing or like yelling at a TV or marching without voting. Marching mm. and voting, great. But if you think you're making a huge difference, you're making a bigger difference by marching than you are by voting, you are sadly mistaken. Get your ass off the street and into the polls. That's and, and, and we know that there are people out of there that are trying to suppress our vote and discourage us from voting. Mm. And 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 those things are being fought, and 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 the people that are fighting them are fighting a, a valiant battle uh, uh, to stop that. But at the same time, you have to commit yourself that I don't care what they do to try to keep me from voting. I am determined that I'm going to vote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you just, I mean, because people in the generations before, right, they risked their lives to go vote. That's right. And and, and, and we and we lost three great gentlemen this year alone, uh, not to mention countless others who demonstrated that they were willing to put their lives on the mm-hmm. line in order for us to vote, to get in that good trouble, to do what we had to do uh, in order to get the vote. And so and, and I and I would say, Judge Lewis and to you, Stephen Hill, that if we had voted the way we should have in 2016, and and I mean not in terms of picking a particular person, a candidate, but in voting itself, uh, we would not be in the situation as to who is going to uh, take the seat of Judge Bader Ginsburg, uh, Justice Bader Ginsburg. And so this is really important that we talk about not only from the top, but we talk about all of those positions down the ballot, um, not only for president and, and vice president, but the senators. And that is a really big part of this, uh, the, the Senate and getting um, people in those seats, in those positions of the U.S. Senate that are going to make the decisions as regarding the, the justice that is nominated by the president. Right. And so and then you look down and you and you think about those other positions that today would make a big difference in terms of the whole Breonna Taylor situation. And we'll talk about Breonna Taylor. But the point is, you know, we're looking um, in terms of how the game is being played right now in the United States Senate. And a lot of Democrats are going, oh, if we can get two people, oh, if we can get three people, we can flip it. Because right now, the Republicans rule with 52 seats as opposed to 48 for the Democrats. If you get 50-50, that's not going to do you any good because you still have a Republican uh, vice president who would be the man to to take the vote, right? Or to make the to cast the very important vote. So looking at all of this and in terms of, you know, Mitt Romney has now said that he is going to vote in, in favor of all of this that, that uh, in terms of uh, 
putting the vote before the House, uh, before the Senate, excuse me, and, and uh, the nominee. And I say that all of this is being done in order to get rid of Roe versus Wade. Oh, yeah. And and so the woman that is uh, being spotlighted for her place uh, as the the uh, the next Supreme Court justice uh, is uh, Amy Barrett. And she is and, and people don't want you to talk about, oh, let's not go into the whole religion. But she's a Catholic woman with seven children and um, has has talked about the, the fight that she is in is to. Um, to succeed and to bring about the kingdom of God. And we have a, a country that is supposed supposed to be separate between church and religion and between the religion and the state. But we're not. We're not separate. And so Mitt Romney is a prime example of what they have been trying to do over these years and why people voted for for Donald Trump in to, to begin with. And I will tell you about an experience that I had on a plane, like just days before the 2016 election, and everybody was touting the fact that, oh, Hillary's got this. Oh, there's no way this guy is going to win. And I was sitting next to a man from Utah, Mitt Romney State, who is a Mormon, and said that he and and his his church members and all of the people he knew around him were going to vote for Mitt Romney and why and we're going to vote for Donald Trump and why because Donald Trump had promised these conservative judges that he was going to appoint and that they would be getting rid of Roe versus Wade. And now we are so close. We are right on the edge there, not only of getting rid of Roe versus Wade, but getting rid of Obamacare and, and all of the other things that are so very important to so very many people who don't have a voice. And so if I could just no, get they do have a voice, it's called a vote. And, 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 that, and so that's exactly, Judge Lewis, that's exactly what President I was President Obama thinking. himself said, elections have consequences. Mm -hmm. And and and, you know, I'm a little older than y'all. And I can remember uh, as a child right here in Fort Worth, Texas, before the Voting Rights Act passed, because I was 11 years old when the Voting Rights Act passed before the Voting Rights Act passed, and they still had things like poll taxes where they made people pay to vote. I can remember my mother and the women in the neighborhood holding bake sales to raise money to pay people's poll taxes so that they could vote. Uh, I can remember their, the housing was still largely segregated and they wouldn't put polling places in our communities. Mm -hmm. They put them over there in the white communities where we were unfamiliar and afraid to go because we were afraid something would happen to us if, if we went over in those neighborhoods. We never went over in those white neighborhoods. And they got together and caravanned over into the white neighborhoods together mm -hmm. to vote. They had to go through changes like that to mm -hmm. vote. And those kinds of obstacles uh, the, the kind of obstacles they're throwing up in front of us now are nothing compared to that. Uh, uh, I remember watching on TV in South Africa when black people were still uh, were first given the right to vote. People stood in line oh God, for yes. 12 mm -hmm. hours yep. in the yep. rain yep. to go it. vote. Oh, they stood in line. Those things stop us from doing it. They stood. Right. They, they, took, they stood in line in 2008. 
because because but and that, and I think that's one of the challenges. People think they have to feel passionate about something to get their asses out to vote, right? Obama in 2008 may have actually I'm not saying hurt us, but that but the idea of like oh my God, we finally have something passionate to vote about that we'd stand online for that we do in the <laughs> ring. Now now we're like we ain't got that anymore, so why am I going to go out? And I think that's that's what hurt in 2016. If you listen to Michelle or Barack Obama, they say the biggest disappointment they had in their entire presidency was November of 2016 when people did not come out to vote like they had before. Right? You don't get to be passionate about it. I, lo, yo, I'm gonna tell you right now. I got no problem saying this. Biden to me is just not Trump. I am not excited about him. I'm excited mm -hmm. about Kamala. But my ass is going to be out there voting on November third. But Steve, how about this? We may not be passionate about Biden, but we are passionate about the lives that have been lost this year. We're passionate about getting justice for Breonna Taylor. We're passionate about getting justice for George Floyd. We're passionate about getting justice for Daniel Prude. We're passionate. You can just keep naming names. Just we got we got a lot of names, and we have to. And this is why we have to not just vote for the president. We've got to vote for all those people down the ballot. We've got to educate our people about getting out there and making the difference, not only in the presidency and the U.S. senatorship, but your congressmen and your mayors and yeah. your and 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 your uh, district attorneys and, and your you, attorney generals. Yeah, hello, hello. Yes. I mean, he just won. But there is a woman who is running against his mentor, Mitch McConnell. And she is making an effort to to change the face, if you will, to change the the uh, the the the, uh, the majority of the United States Senate against Mitch McConnell. And this is where we have to t tell our people that this is where they get jazzed. This is where they get excited in making those differences. Yes, the it is important for the president. The connection to your point, the connection needs to be made to the passion that people have around George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Yep to the ballot box. That's the yeah. disconnect. The disconnect is that people look at candidates and like, like, I, I, like I, said, I don't care about Biden, but I, but I make the connection. Other people just like, I don't care about George Floyd. Things are messed up, things are messed up, but don't make the connection that when they vote in their local elections, when they vote in their state elections and yes, national elections, these are the things that happen. These are things that, 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 that you can get changed. Daniel Cameron was voted in in Kentucky. That's not an appointed position. It's an elected position. So you got to, got to, got to <laughs> make that connection. And, vote. And, and, Register and, to vote. Vote. And, and Judge Lewis, you know this. And, and obviously we're, we're preaching to the choir with you. But um, in my city of Chicago, in my hometown, people got it with the murder of Laquan McDonald. And that's when the Cook County State's attorney was flipped from a Hispanic woman to a black woman named Kim Fox. And that made all the difference in the world. And, and they're still angry at her because they don't like the way she's running things, but she is making a difference in people's lives in the courtrooms of Chicago. Happened in Ferguson, happened in Ferguson too. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. That dude had been there for 27 years, got flipped. Boom, yeah. that's what voting does. Like if you look at that, look at those two situations and that's how you make the difference. You don't make the difference. Yes, you can make a difference by marching. I'm not besmirching marching. No, I'm not. not. But you got to march and vote. If you got to pick one, vote. How about Please. march to the polling place? There yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's yeah. let's make that into a bumper sticker. <laughs> march to That's the right. polling place and vote. Right. That's right. <laughs>
that's absolutely right. And let's and let's remind people that even though uh, their people are not on our different ballots around the country, that we are fighting for justice for Brianna as hard in our towns as as people in Louisville are, um, and 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 letting our votes be our voice in a lot of respects. And so. Let's talk about uh, this situation that has just come down in Louisville, Judge Lewis, and um, in terms of the grand jury and the charges made against one of the three policemen and wanton endangerment was a, was the charge and the first degree uh, a felony, what is a class D felony uh, against one policeman, but the other two not, and not even the man whose bullet was the fatal wound to Breonna Taylor. Not even that policeman was and let's remind that. folks. Let's remind folks before we do that, uh, 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 Mr. Lewis, that that it's kind of what we predicted on this show when you were on last time. It kind of <laughs> went down. No, that's real. It kind of went down exactly the way that we said it was gonna. Well, and I got to tell you this. I, I had a conversation just before we came on with my best friend, who is a criminal defense practitioner. Um, I used to be one. The first 16 years of my career, I practiced almost exclusively criminal law. The last 21 years, I've been doing something totally different uh, and don't do any criminal law at all. And back when I was practicing criminal law, he was my trial partner. We tried over 100 cases. Mm. Um, And he and I were just discussing it. And quite honestly, I know this is probably not going to be what most people want to hear. But I'm just trying to figure out, based on what I know about the police officer's conduct, I said this when we were on the on the on last time. If you assume for a moment that he they the police officer had what he feels is a valid warrant signed by a judge. Uh, I've been emailed a copy of that warrant. And it particularly describes the premises that he is ordered by a judge to enter. A, a warrant is not a volunteer thing. If you got a warrant, those warrants, I've signed a lot of them because I am a judge. It says you are hereby commanded to. And they name, they describe the residents. They describe and name the people who they, are, who they suspect are in the residence. Mm-hmm. They even describe the vehicles that are attached to the residence, and you are executing that warrant, and you start through the door, and somebody starts shooting at you. Yep. What What do you do? Yep. This what is what we talked about when you were on here last time, and because because I took that very unpopular position as well, and I believe. Hey, you, yeah, I mean, I mean, and I understand that her death was tragic. Mm-hmm. And it was probably on the neglect. It was not probably. It was based on the negligence of somebody. I don't know who made the mistake, whether it was the judge or or, or or whoever. Because as it turns out, the her residence was not the correct residence, and and that's why they gave him twelve million dollars mm-hmm. on the negligence claim. But but that but that negligence was not criminal, and so. Uh, let's assume for a moment, because I don't know any different, that the police officers that went in didn't know this was the wrong place. What they knew is that they're going into a place that they've been commanded by a judge to enter. 
And when they start in, somebody starts shooting at them. What, how, so what, we do. So so Daniel Cameron actually did. He did indicate that the that the police were not part of the investigation. They they received yeah, the warrant I and mean, were told to act the warrant. So they were not part of the investigation leading to the warrant. They did state that. And 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 if we could rewrite the scenario, and I've not heard anybody say this on TV. Out all the people, and I know people are angry, and 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 somebody's got to pay. And all of that, but I look at it from a legalistic standpoint, and I say, okay, if you could write rewrite that scenario, what would you have required the police to do differently? So let me ask you this, uh, Judge Lewis, because uh, this is what we talked about earlier on on our YouTube live show, and that was, I say that people lie. I say that the police lie in order to get the job done. And and in this uh, conversation that we had was about the no knock warrant. And I and 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 I go back to the days after this case became very very um public uh, or or at least a, a bigger story across the country. And there was always this conversation about a no-knock warrant, and and then days after that, they went to the city council, and the city council passed Brianna's law. We're not going to have any more no-knock warrants without uh, extreme uh, reasoning and 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 what have you. And and then in today's uh, press conference, the attorney general is talking about the fact that there this was not a no-knock warrant, and yet. I still say that they were lying and and Ward White has gone to the papers themselves and shows that it was a no knock warrant. Right. Right. And 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 no knock warrant that that is certainly an issue of that is up for debate in legal circles as to when or if at all no knock warrants should be issued. But at the time a no knock warrant was legal in the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you when why no knock warrants exist. They came into being back in the late seventies and early eighties when the drug epidemic came on the scene, and they were trying to address these drug uh, houses, uh, trying to use the criminal justice system to cure what I believe is probably a mental health problem with drugs. But nevertheless, that's what they mm-hmm. were doing: drug addiction, and. If you go to, because the contraband you're looking for at a drug house is so easily disposed of, all you have to do is pour it down the sink or flush it down the toilet. You need a no-knock warrant on that septic tank. If the police police delay too, if the police identify themselves and knock on the door and wait till somebody opens the door and lets them in, there's a good chance that there won't be any need for them to go in because the evidence they're going in looking for has already been destroyed. And no-knock warrants came into use because they wanted them to be able to kick the door in, surprise the people, and seize the drugs before they had an opportunity to destroy them or plug them down the toilet or pull them down the sink. Maybe they should have... Turn the water off before they go in the door. Listen, hey, listen. Here's the here's the here's the thing, though, Sybil. I got to tell you, and I haven't read the warrant. So today, Daniel Cameron says it was a knock warrant. Right. If That's it what he is said. a no, I, and I want to, I don't want to be clear. If I understand this correctly, a no knock warrant makes it even more the reason that the cops weren't going to get get indicted. 
right? They may have lied about yeah. the warrant, but my point is a no-knock warrant means they follow the rules without question. It doesn't matter who it doesn't matter who heard them identify themselves. Doesn't matter. A no-knock warrant means you just go in without knocking. That's that's worse for what we want. But if you lie about it not being a no-knock warrant, what else will you lie about? Because if you lie, you'll steal. If you steal, you'll kill. You know, it's just like, or whatever, however that goes. Uh, but you'll murder, you, you know, maybe first degree, maybe, you know, a small homicide. I'm not sure. But somebody is lying. And if there's one lie, it's led to another and another and another, which has well, led us to know, this. But you know, this, verdict in court, and he had to present his case to a grand jury. Let me say that. And and he certainly he could influence the outcome by the way he presented the case. He may not have presented it properly or whatever, but it is a grand jury which consists of citizens that ultimately decides whether they whether to indict or no not indict based on the evidence that the state brings them. And um um um, um I I don't know. I, all I know is the details that I've seen. I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out if I were on the grand jury, what crime. Now, I'm not familiar with the law in Kentucky. I've never practiced mm -hmm. law in Kentucky, but I practiced law for almost 40 years in Texas. And so I'm trying to apply this situation to Texas law. And uh, what crime um, could I make? that they had, that the police officers committed. There isn't uh, one. There isn't uh, one. I'm having a hard time with that. I really and, am. And, 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 and you and everybody stand wants to, together. Everybody wants, everybody wants to point to one person. It's the system. It's not the cops who uh, got the job, walked in, got fired upon, got hit by that fire, got hit by that yeah, fire and fired yeah. back. You can't, I'm so, like, I want justice, but justice doesn't mean the cops get arrested. The because it wasn't them. The system failed, and that $12 million plus promises to fix that, we need to look at that as the victory that can come out of this because the cops didn't do their job incorrectly, except for the one who got indicted for doing his job incorrectly. Well, I know emotionally say, we want to be emotionally we want it to be different. We want this to be different emotionally. We do. I do. Yeah, yeah. But logically, you get fired upon coming into a house, you're firing back. Let me say this. Even if you're not a police officer, if you are a citizen and you are in a place where you have a legal right to be, and based mm -hmm. on that warrant, they not only had a legal right to be coming through that door, they had an obligation to come mm. through that door mm. because the warrant mm. commanded them to do so. Mm -hmm. And even and, and if you are a private citizen and you are you are in a place where you have a legal right to be and somebody shoots you, then mm. you have a right to fire return fire if you got a gun. Let me put this way. Let me, let me, let me, Except let me, if you're a black man. I, well, I've used I've used this example before. I've used, and, and I'll stand by this. If Zimmerman had missed and Trayvon had drawn and dropped Zimmerman, Trayvon would yep. be walking the streets today. And he had every right to shoot at Zimmerman because Zimmerman shot at him first. Yes. Add the whole mm. cop thing in, it's even it's even bigger. If Zimmerman fires at Trayvon, Trayvon fires back at Zimmerman, Trayvon's walking around today. Mm.
So that's that's. I, I just uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and I know, I, I know people want. Um, there people have a lot of emotional energy invested in that, and a lot of people. I think so. Well, last time we were on, you said, "Well, I just know that there was something else going on," and there may have been. But when you walk into a courtroom, you can't. Yeah, say, you can't have something know. else. <laughs> <laughs> you got to present evidence. You can't just go in there and say, right. well, I, I, say know. "I just know in my heart and my soul, Judge." Judge, <laughs> 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 like, get out of here with that mess, heart and soul mess. <laughs> Take that to XM Radio. This doesn't work here. I'm just saying. Folks keep talking about. I mean, and I think, look, it's just ju- justice. <laughs> We're used to justice being somebody goes to prison. It's not going to happen in this case. That's why I keep, I keep, I'm going to bring it up again. Justice is in the form of that extraordinarily large settlement. And in addition, the changes to policy that is to be made in Louisville. That is justice. It's not what we want to see. It's not how it, how it's, we're used to seeing it. But if you pull that apart, our justice is our justice is our justice is there. It's the system. It's not the it's not the folks. And 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 once again, what you guys are talking about is changing the system, and the system changes with our vote. Nice way to bring that back around. Yes, Sibu. Yes, yes, yes. As you, as you know, Sybil, I served ten years in the Texas House of Representatives. Yes, sir. That that is where the laws are made. Mm-hmm. And I got to the Texas House of Representatives because the citizens voted me in. There you go. And that's where you make the difference. Judge, uh, can we have you on like every week? Because we, we always have legal questions. <laughs> we appreciate your time. And, and, and also just, you know, staying with us the whole show and being with us talking about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and talking about voting. And now Breonna Taylor, um, you just added so much to the conversation. And we really appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate. Thanks for the invitation. Anytime, anytime the the uh, the um, podcast door is always open to you, sir. All right. <laughs> Thanks. So Thank you. That is Judge Glenn Lewis. Uh, and, and as you can see, uh, the man just can't keep a job. Um, but we're really <laughs> glad that he was uh, <laughs> with all of the great things he's done. Um, but uh, Stephen Hill, this is uh, this has been a, a great conversation and, and enjoyed it as always. Um, for people who want to hear you on your Sirius XM show, what do we have to look forward to this Saturday night? Uh, okay. Saturday, All right. This Saturday okay. night. Okay. okay. We know we we know it's not Brian McKnight. I think it's Kim. Kim is this Saturday. This Kim Kim, Kim is this Saturday Kim, night. Kim was Saturday before last. I keep better check of your your guests than than you do up here. That's a Kim. I meant Kim. Kim Jong Un is on my guest <laughs> for this week, and I'm I'm really excited uh, that he's he's allowed himself to be. And, and, and is he bringing his friend, his he's boyfriend his friend, Donald Trump? Okay. He's bringing his boyfriend. He's bringing his boyfriend, um, uh, uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, to keep it all Chicago. Uh, <laughs> Thank so, okay. you so, so anyhow, it's, uh, heart to heart with Stephen Hill on uh, SiriusXM. Uh, check it out this this um, this uh, Saturday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 8 p.m. where my nephews are and the rest of everybody's figure it out. And, it's kind and of fun. just for folks, uh, I'm I'm not just a, a radio head. 
<laughs> Look what I did nice. there. See what you did there. Um, but I, I did enjoy watching the Emmys. Did you get a chance to watch those Sunday night? So it was spectacular. It was unbelievably well done. Uh, the best thing you could have done in a in a in a, in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they spent a lot of money doing it. They spent a yeah. lot of money doing it. But it was it was extraordinarily well done. Shout out to uh, my former boss Reggie Hudlin. Yeah, nice job. Uh, Of the Emmys. Uh, Did a great Mm -hmm. job. Brought in Dean Nice. uh, That was great. That was was really cool. Awesome. Uh, I do appreciate. uh, By the way, do you know every time they they show the name, every time they say the name Shits Creek on. on, (laughs) No, this is true. Every time they say the name Shits Creek on broadcast television, they have to show the logo for the show. Yes. They have yeah. to show the logo for the show every single time they say the name Shit's Creek on, on TV. Luckily, which, we don't have to do, do it here on this podcast. Which I also wonder when I heard radio reports and news reports on the radio about it, I, I was like, well, where's the logo for this? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and a shout out to all, I'm sure these are all personal friends of yours, like Uzo Aduba, as well as Regina King and Zendaya, mm-hmm. and uh, who just killed it. Uh, on their performances as well as the yes. wins on Sunday night. So congratulations. Regina's just, re- Regina's just like, don't, no. Regina's like the Stevie Wonder mm. in the 70s of the Emmys right now. Yeah, like, right. Just whatever right? year she's not in something is the only year she's not winning. That's it. Exactly. That's it. So exactly. Kudos to her. And congratulations to your girl, Carrie uh, Washington, as well. She got associate, she was executive producer, producer of, yeah. the, of the live uh, from, uh, what was it, Good Times and All in the Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was one of the executive producers for that, and so she got an Emmy for that. Uh, so it was, and, 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 and your boy, Dave Chappelle and, and Eddie Murphy and all of that. Oh, my uh, God. Eddie Murphy getting an Emmy was, uh, you know, I, I look, there's, there's it, it, I'm still a little kid when it comes to Eddie Murphy. I think he, you know, he, I'm so glad he, 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 finally got it finally happened for him a mm-hmm. primetime emmy and it was that it was with snl at the most brilliant show they've done in years was, was spectacular so how was about a full circle moment with that win mm-hmm. yeah really cool mm-hmm. really cool okay all right that's all <laughs> that's all we got until next week stay safe register to vote if you are not registered to vote register to vote if you're not registered to vote this this means something this really truly truly means something yeah. these elections coming up not just on the national level on the, on the local level and subscribe for the podcast. How Stephen Hill? Uh, look, I just say go to Spotify, type in Sybil Wilkes' name, pops up, and then hit subscribe. That's the best way. That's the easiest way. You can go like, from ha ha sta ha with Sybil. Stephen Hill. <laughs> Indeed. Have a great week, Sybil. Aloha, my darling. Ha 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 